Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Jura. We have a rare Met win to discuss tonight. Uh, Jacob DeGrand started and Addison Reed came on and in the middle of the Mets scored seven runs and it was great. So um, enough with that. Uh, let's get right to tonight's guest. Uh, please uh, help me welcome back to the show uh, Mets by the Numbers, John Springer. John, thanks for joining us here again. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be here. Well, you know, it's been a, a tough go. We won the first couple of games after the All-Star break. Maybe thought we were going to get a little uh, little momentum going, and then uh, it seems to have fallen off quite a bit here lately. Um, I think everyone is pretty much resigned to the fact that we're going to be uh, selling instead of buying here at the, the deadline. And what I want to know is, with the exception of Addison Reed, are any of the players that the Mets looking to move, are, are any of these guys going to fetch more than a generic C-level prospect? I don't know. Um, maybe um, it's hard to tell. You know, the, there's a. I, you know, I think a guy like Duda is valuable. I think the Mets have the opportunity, if they wanted to, um, to make a kind of trade that could could be impactful. If you know they were willing to dangle a guy like you know Stephen Matz, um, and and tempt a team that is you know trying to make a, a playoff run you know, with a, a young front line, you know, front line ish starting pitcher, um, who's controllable and, and cheap and and uh you could bank a little bit of future on. Um you know, I, I don't know if I would do that, but I, I, I would consider that if I were the Mets. So uh, you know, Reed, uh Blevins, I I'd move him. You know, Jay Bruce is having a good year. There's there's no, you know, a thirty home run outfielder if you happen to need one. Um, and uh, they've got one of those. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know if these are going to be, like, you know, mind-blowing trades, but I think if, you know, if they're creative enough, they, they might be able to do something interesting here. We saw some speculation that the Mets and Yankees might match up because the Yankees were in the market for both the first baseman and a reliever, and there was some thought that the Mets might match up with having uh, Duda and, and Reed available, but the Yankees went ahead and traded uh, – or, or acquired uh, that package from the White Sox instead. And, and actually the two of them were able to fetch a, a top 50 prod, uh, prospect in Frazier. So it'll be curious to see if, if any other team needs that exact type of, of combination again. Although the one thing that I believe that Robertson has one more year of control, something that Reed doesn't have. And so Cindy Ellison said that they weren't looking to trade someone like you mentioned, uh, a cost-controlled player such as Matts. So it'll be curious to see if these potential uh, year-end free agents will, will get them anywhere. Although I did hear a rumor that uh, the Red Sox were interested in as Jubal Cabrera, so maybe something can come from that. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know they're going to do the best they can with with what they've got. Uh, you know I don't I don't I'm not of the opinion that you know um, 
Alderson is is incompetent or unrealistic. I think he drives a pretty good bargain, and um, you know, if uh, I, I'm I'm you know I'm kind of trust uh, I, I trust that you know if he you know gives up Cabrera for something, it'll be what Cabrera's worth. Now, speaking of Sandy Alderson, since he's been in control of the Mets, the Mets have never had a pick lower than 10, and uh, 10 was where they drafted Michael Conforto a few years back. So um, should the organization and the fans embrace losing or or tanking, as they call it in the NBA, to try to get a better draft pick uh, next year? No way. Um, I, you know, I, for one, the, the draft is just too, um, unpredictable and, and, you know, young baseball players can go any direction. And, you know, even if they, um, you know, wind up with a, with a top pick, I, I, who was it? Pelfrey? Was he number three? I think he was the top, the, the closest to a top pick we got, um, in the last, uh, nine or 10 years. And, you know, he looked good. He looked like the kind of guy that you would lose to get, and and you know he didn't turn out to be all that great. I I, I can't imagine that. Uh, you know, they would they would kind of stoop to that level, and I hope they don't. Just as a a matter of taste. You know, you bring up an interesting point. It's one thing to get the picks, but then you have to be able to cash in on the picks. And we've seen some teams do yeah. that recently, specifically the, the Cubs and the Astros. And because of their success, I think uh, a lot of people are embracing that tanking concept that maybe would have would not have done the same, say, five, ten years ago. But uh, it, it's certainly an yeah. interesting question. And if you were to look at, at Sandy Alderson, you'd think that um, – he'd be the kind of guy you'd want to entrust in having that, that top five pick if the Mets were able to get it. But then we have the question if he's even going to be back here uh, this time next year or the time of the 2018 draft since his contract is up at the end of this year. Yeah. And he's got cancer and he's 69 years old. I mean, you know, I, I, that's, that's a lot to count on. And, and people forget, you know, that the Astros, sure, they've got a terrific young team, but, you know, they lost more than 300 games in three years in order to, you know, take that up. And I, I can't imagine. I mean, the Mets are going to lose 90 this year, and it's unbearable for the fans, you know. Um, uh, you know, and, and they might not even get that bad. You know what I mean? Um, three years of 100 losses in a row, um, if that's what it takes to, to build a young team, uh, you know, I don't know if that's worth it for for. Uh, fans or the business of the Mets, I, I can't imagine that that you know this idea of tanking is is is, is a good idea at all. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I would think that that Alderson. I, I mean I don't know this of course, but um, I'd be surprised if he's back again next year. Um, and I and I think Terry's going to go, and I think you know obviously. Uh, the guys we we aren't going to trade or can't trade are also going to go. So, um, you know, the, the fans were were, were pretty um, unhappy with sort of the lack of moves that the team made over this last off season. You know, they're going to get a lot of moves for next season, whether or not, you know, no matter what happens. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm a little bit concerned that. You know what? You know if the Mets are going to, um, you know uh, how how successfully they will 
transition from an Alderson-led organization, you know, it, it occurs to me that, uh, you know, when Paul D. Podesta left a few years ago, they never really replaced the guy. Um, and, you know, maybe that has something to do with sort of the, the I, I don't know this for sure, but, you know, uh, you know, they, they kind of let attrition happen in the front office. That's that's something that's happened, you know, if you look historically at the Mets, that's happened any number of times where they really weren't prepared to move on to the next, um, you know, generation of leadership. Um, and you can, you, you can point that out where, you know, Jerry Manuel taking over as manager, you know, without having interviewed anybody else or, um, uh, you know, when Johnny Murphy died, not having a strategy for that, you know, on and on and on. So uh, I'm a little bit concerned, you know, that, that the Mets have a have a strong succession plan in mind, but um, I, I'd be surprised, you know, if it's 68 or 69 years old, um, you know, Sandy's going to, you know, sign a multi-year contract to continue leading the Mets. Well, he's here right now, so let's continue our theme of, of talking about Alderson. He recently had a, a press yep. conference uh, that was uh, a little bit controversial, and, and he reaffirmed that he keeps defense as a, a lower priority, especially compared to offense and pitching. And what I want to know is, is after what we've witnessed seemingly on a daily basis this season from the defense, is is that okay? Well, I mean – I, I I don't uh, I don't exactly uh, remember exactly what it was he said at the at the press conference, but you know I would point out that that one you know pitching is sort of the ultimate defense, and and the Mets have obviously been sort of uh, built around that, so it's not like you know that particular you know aspect of the organization has been ignored. And and the other thing I would point out is that, you know, they went to the World Series in 2015 with Wilmer Flores as their shortstop and Daniel Murphy at second base. And, you know, I think a, a, a big part of um, sort of moving on from that was the idea of getting Walker at second base and, and uh, Cabrera at shortstop. And that did improve the defense, it appeared, from 2015 now you know Cabrera got old pretty quickly and and Walker's been a little unreliable um and you know the backups for those guys have not been good and and certainly the defense has been awful this year so um I don't know I mean you know if, if we had a team that that hit the way we thought they would hit and pitched the way we thought they would pitch you know, defense might not have been such a big deal this year, but um, you know, Cespedes is having a, a, a tough year. We've had injuries to the rotation and to the starting nine, and you know that's hurt. And and sort of these things have all kind of caught up to the Mets. And it, I think it appears that it looks like the Mets don't care about defense. I, I think you know at at some level they do, um, and because uh, it's sort of exposed you know, the, the, the extent to which they do, um, you know, it, it appears that, you know, they'll, they'll get to Ahmed Rosario sooner or later. Um, and that'll improve a little bit of the defense. You know, if Walker comes back, you know, 
um, that might improve the situation at, at second base. And at third base, you know, they, they've got to figure something out because T.J. Rivera is not all that good. You know, David Wright hasn't been around. Um, you know, Reyes wasn't, wasn't uh, successful there either. So, you know, they need a, they need a couple of better uh, defensive players. You know, in the outfield, Lagaris was your was your good center fielder who could sort of make up for the fact that Granderson was old. Cespedes is is somewhat lazy and 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 uh, uh, you know been been slowed by injury, um, and that's been exposed as well. So I don't know. It, was it was it that they didn't care about defense, or was that defense was sort of the third leg of the stool and the the first to be exposed when the when the injuries came up? One thing that Alderson did say was that he thought that the team needed to become more athletic. And typically the the, yep. the the athletes on the baseball field are up the middle. They're playing second base, they're playing shortstop, and they're playing center. But the Mets opened the season with uh, Neil Walker, who's a, a very good player. I, I don't think athletic would necessarily be the first adjective you use to describe him. As Jubal Cabrera, same thing. And in center field, we had... Uh, Curtis Granderson, who probably would have been athletic if he was 26 instead of 36. So it'll be real curious to to me how the Mets handle those three positions going forward, especially given Conforto's relative success playing center field, uh, even uh, once he took over for Granderson, even though he's not typically viewed as a center fielder. Uh, we may have lost John. Let me see if I can get him. John, you still hey, there? Hey, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, we. Sorry, I. I'm sorry. I think we, did, might have, did. we might have lost you there for a second. But I'm not sure yeah. if you heard what I was saying. But we were talking about athleticism, and then uh, yeah. uh, particularly up the middle. Uh, what do? You, how do you think that the the Mets uh, approach that uh, both the rest of this year and going forward? Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, um, there was a rain out or a rain delay a few weeks ago and they started showing, um, 2015 highlights and, and this talk about, um, you know, Michael Conforto being at AAA and not coming up to the Mets while they were struggling offensively, um, reminds you very much of the, of the kind of tenor of talk right now with, um, Ahmed Rosario, um, at AAA and, and, you know, they're struggling defensively, um, Anyway, Conforto came up on July 24th. Um, write it down. I, I think by July 24th, Ahmed Rosario will be the sh- starting shortstop for the Mets, and they'll figure out things from there. Um, so, I mean, that that addresses that. Um, you know, Neil Walker. I think I told you before. I, you know, I, I really think that that you know to kind of get off topic a little bit, but you know, the one of the Mets' problems this year was you know, turned out that, that they wound up, you know, with two guys on the team that they didn't necessarily want over the off season, that being, being Bruce and uh, Walker. And, um, you know, I think, I think the club needs to kind of move on from him, you know, with them out of the, out of the, the race, so to speak at this point, Um, you know, I'd be, I'd be thrilled to see him try Gavin Ciccini at second base and, and, um, and Rosario at shortstop, um, and I think it'll happen sooner or later. At least, at least Rosario will, and and suddenly you're going to be a lot more athletic than you were. 
Um, you know, it, it doesn't take all that much to move on from, from these guys. They, you know, they just have to make the decision to do it. Now you said something that I thought was, was real interesting. You, you talked about two guys on the team who maybe they, they didn't want to have back. Obviously Jay Bruce, they tried most of the off season to trade him, but then you, you hinted that they didn't really want Neil Walker. So yeah. you're, you're saying that when, when they offered him uh, the qualifying offer, that their hope was that he was going to decline it and go elsewhere. I think, I think if Neil Walker played it like everybody else played it, you know, that would have been, <laughs> that would have been what, what should have been expected. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think that they were probably like, uh, you know, of the opinion, Hey, look, if he takes it, you know, he takes it. We're, we're not going to, we're not going to be damned for having Neil Walker, but I, I really think that sort of uh, serving the team, you know, this is a $17 million player who's pretty limited defensively in that he really only plays one position. Um, his offense, you know, while pretty good at stretches last year and overall pretty good, um, you know, isn't really the profile of a, of a $17 million player. And, uh, you know, um, this year he's been injured again and wasn't all that productive until that point. So, yeah, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, in, in their best world, Walker turns down that uh, qualifying offer. They get a draft pick out of it and they get, you know, they get by at second base with any of these, you know, several, uh, you know, guys they had a, a chance to play at second, including Cicini, Flores, you know, uh, Rivera, um, you know, Cabrera, it, you know, Reyes. They, they had a lot of, of other options, and, you know, they wind up with a $17 million uh, second baseman. Um, so, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, they'll never say this, um, but um, I would say I would have guessed that they would have hoped that, that Walker didn't take the offer, and I think they would have been better off. Shortly after the the offer was accepted by Walker, there was talk that the, the Mets and Walker had essentially agreed on a longer-term deal, but the, the rumor was that the Players Association didn't like the deal because it would have been a lower average annual value contract than what he just got from the qualifying offer alone. So I'm not sure if those are the rumors that you heard or not, but to me that would at least indicate uh, a willingness of the Mets to to have him here multiple years if it was to a salary more their liking. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. I, I don't really know what the politics are as as far as that goes, um, but you know, sort of illustrates sort of the problem of the qualifying offer uh, as a thing. You know what I mean? It, it's a little bit artificial and. Um, you know, I think that if, if, well, I don't know. I mean, on, on the one hand, you know, Walker would be a pretty good, like he's a little bit like Granderson. You know, if you, if you had him on your team as a veteran guy who could do different things and, you know, take advantage of his switch hitterness and, and, you know, um, the fact that you could play him in the infield, but you didn't necessarily need to play him you know, every day to the point in which he gets hurt, which he's done twice, twice, you know, two years in a row now, uh, given the opportunity to play every day, he's probably a useful guy. But that's not the kind of guy that you pay $17 million a year for. So, um, and, and by all accounts, he's a good guy and, and well-liked and respected in the clubhouse and everything else. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, I think if the Mets had their uh, druthers, maybe they could have, um, you know, come up with some sort of compromise before they need, necessarily needed to uh, take or leave it thing where they could sign him for multiple years. But I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that also that was a rumor started by Walker's agent to sort of drum up um, some interest in it. I don't know. Well, let's shift gears here a little bit. Instead of talking about guys with $17 million salary, let's talk about a guy who makes considerably less than that, and uh, that's uh, reliever Hansel Robles. He uh, Mm -hmm. started off the season great, got pounded in like uh, three starts, and then got sent to the minors, and he's been back for uh, two appearances now. Uh, What's your take overall on Robles, the guy that we hoped would be our seventh inning man this year? Yeah, uh, disappointment for sure. I mean, when when Familia goes down, you know, it wasn't that the Mets bullpen had to collapse, right? It just meant that the margin of error got got a lot smaller really quickly. And, you know, it was among the worst things to happen to the Mets this year that, that Robles wasn't ready to sort of stand up and, and, and be that guy. Because if you look at, you know, um, let's say, for example, you know, Reed isn't available. You know who's your who's your closer at this point? You know, is it is it Paul Seawald? <laughs> you know, is it? Uh, yeah, I hope it's not Fernando Salas. So, uh, you know, Robles looked like one of these guys who was a comer. You know, um, I like his I like his sort of competitiveness out there. I I think he's kind of a a little bit of a tough bastard. You know, the kind of guy that 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 the opponents don't like, and and you know you probably don't like unless he's your teammate, but. Um, you know, I can't explain why he he went off the rails the way he did, um, but he was very bad <laughs> for for a, a long stretch. And and uh, you know, I think it was really unfortunate that that Terry thought it was a good idea to bring him back. You know, in a situation where a game is kind of getting away from the team, uh, there's two guys on base. You know, neither of which is his fault, but he's there to sort of you know kind of kind of take the beating for it, you know, when, when both those guys score on a long home run, um, uh, you know, I don't know. Pitchers are weird, right? You need, you know, sometimes a guy can struggle quite a bit. All he needs to do is make a short adjustment um, under the right circumstances, come back out and, 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 you know, he'll be fine. You know, I think longer term, you know, I kind of like Robles still. I think he um, can be good. Um and, 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 you know, I wouldn't necessarily count him out as an important player uh, on the team going forward. But, um, you know, circumstances, you know, were, were, were such that, you know, we, we could really not afford for him to get bad, and he got bad just at that moment. So that's, you know, I, I really do think that's one of the um, kind of overlooked, um, among many, but, but one of the more overlooked uh places where where the teams just sort of went wrong this year you know it was one of those perfect storm type of situations and and you alluded to several of them uh obviously the the starting pitcher's inability to go deep into games early and then mm-hmm. um the insistence on playing matchups and then which was almost yeah. okay when you only had to do it for two innings but when you had to do it for four or five innings just really yep. killed and burned out the pen. And and then Familia, after he comes back, immediately gets injured and, and we lose him. And, and then Salas melted down. 
And then even the schedule was against us because we only had one day off early on when all of this stuff was going on. Usually you think of the, the first two or three weeks of, of April of being, you know, play two games, have a game off, almost like the, the playoffs, but it wasn't like that for the Mets this year. So it was just a yeah. perfect storm between uh, bad performances, injury, schedule, incompetent management of the pen, and, and guys falling off. And what, what could have been uh, a, a strong bullpen this year has turned into anything but. But I, I yep. can't talk about the bullpen. It gets me all upset, so let's move on. Um, <laughs> Lucas Duda. Lucas Duda. Um, you know, coming into tonight, he had 16 home runs, and, and he had an OPS of almost 900. And he had a double tonight, so he might have went over 900. Yet everyone's ready to push him out the door. They've got his bags packed. They, they can't wait to bring up yep. the uh, hot prospect at AAA. And can you ever remember a player in Met history who was so productive yet so unappreciated by the fan base? I mean, in a different way, you know, Bobby Bonilla was a better player than he was remembered. And, and he kind of created that, that perception on his own by being, you know, kind of frosty with the riders and, and, you know, not, not quite as good as Daryl Strawberry and, you know, all those other things that were sort of his problems there in the early nineties. But, um, Benia was a, Benia was a decent player. He wasn't a superstar, but he was a good player. Um, and you know, the fans and the media and the sort of the narrative around Benia was that he was an awful player, you know, due to, I, I, I don't understand why the the fans and and the writers to a certain degree you know give this guy so little respect because you know dude is a dude is an excellent uh player and and uh you know um look he's he's worth something if they can move him out you know he's going to be a a free agent next year you know the the fans are very excited about Dominic Smith you know I was looking at it the other day i mean their numbers as triple A players are pretty similar, uh, Duda and uh Smith and, and you know, in Smith's favor is the fact that he's he's two years younger as a as a minor leaguer. And Duda's favor was that he did so by hitting more home runs uh and being uh more of a power hitter than, than Dom Smith. But the move I mean, if Dom Smith is as good as you know, we think he is and uh, he's gonna be more or less similar to Duda, just a little bit, you know, different way of adding up the numbers, right? He's, he's going to hit for a little bit of a higher average. He's probably going to hit less home runs. Um, I don't see that as a slam dunk, um, you know, improvement that, that people necessarily assume it'll be. Um, so I don't know. Um, it's not like I'm saying let's sign Lucas Duda for, for five years and, and trade Dom Smith, but I'm also saying, let's not, you know, let's not, uh, you know, say that, that it's impossible to succeed, you know, were that reversed. Maybe, maybe Dom Smith is the guy to trade, you, you know, if you can re-sign Duda, you, you know, um, I don't know. Um, uh, In football, they, they always talk about the, the backup quarterback being everybody's favorite player. And yeah, I think that yeah. maybe some of that is in play here with the minor leaguer that we haven't seen, but we've just heard about for several years after he was a first round pick that, you know, he's the one that everyone takes a shine to. But I, I do have yeah. to say that there's a huge difference between putting up numbers and then 
in in a in the minor leagues, but in a in a hitter friendly league like the Pacific Coast League, and then on top of that, a hitter friendly ballpark in Las Vegas. So I, I yep. think you really have to take a lot of the air out of the stats. So just because their their uh, productive numbers may be similar now, I don't really think that they're they're similar if you would put them on an equal basis. Well, we have yeah, time for just one more be. question. Yeah, yep. we have time for just one more question here, and, and we like to do the crazy prediction. So I'm going to give you mine. I'm going to ask you to comment on mine and then give me yours. And my crazy okay. prediction is that uh, uh, because of his athleticism, the Mets are going to re-sign Jose Reyes for 2018. So how crazy is that, and what's your crazy prediction? Well, I, I, I mean, I don't think that's insane crazy. It's, uh, you know, I, I can imagine that uh, the deal he'll get won't be substantial, um, and it won't be long-term, and it won't be the kind of thing that will cripple the franchise. So, um, but it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I, I can see it. And, you know, it's not like right, uh, teams, uh, my, my crazy prediction, uh, Neil Walker, um, as Dribble Cabrera, uh, Curtis Granderson, and Jay Bruce, and 2016 on other teams, 2017 on other teams. So they're, they're all going to get uh, traded before they're the end all of the gone. season. They're all gone. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, that certainly would be out of character for Sandy Alderson. So it would be real curious to see that. You know, at, at sometimes I don't think he's going to make any move whatsoever. So if he was to actually get rid of jettison uh, four guys, that would be something. Well, we are all out of time. I'd like to, to thank my guest tonight, John Springer, for, for joining us. And uh, thanks for dropping by and, and talking about our favorite team. Always a pleasure, Brian. Thanks very much. And thank you for listening, and please tune in again next Wednesday night at 11 o'clock Eastern time here on Listen to Mets 360 on Blog Talk Radio. Good night, everyone.